0: Hey, Anthony, it's that time again.
1: To infiltrate the Oscars with our movie on How to Save a Mockingbird?
0: Yeah, yeah, wait, no. No, not at all. Then what? It's time to make the podcast.
1: Oh, oh, oh oh yeah, that thing. Once again, we have reached that time of the week.
0: Time to dive into the movies we love and the movies we wish we could forget.
1: Pitting them against each other to receive praise uh, or hatred. Based on the scale of our choosing. So let's jump into it. This is the Double Feature Podcast. Hey, what's going on, folks? Welcome to another episode of Double Feature, uh, Anthony versus Brad, or Anthony and Brad, or whatever tickles your fancy. Uh, where we got double the Denzel, uh, double the double the uh trouble protagonist. How you doing, Brad? Doing good today.
0: It's another great day when we got Denzel Washington as the main focus of uh, the movies that we were watching this week.
1: Man, uh, yeah, this is this is an overdue one, man. Overdue. I've been meaning to get back into Zel films, um, and I haven't uh, I haven't watched him in a while.
0: Yeah, when you uh, first recommended it, like I was thinking, oh yeah, I've seen these movies. I wouldn't mind watching them again. And then as I was watching, I was like, I'm glad I'm watching these ones again. He is yeah. perfect as an
1: actor. He's a dynamic
0: performer. Oh, one hundred percent. He he definitely jumps into the roles that he's playing. And he just captures every kind of scene that he's in.
1: I think when you discuss who's the greatest, like being actor of all time, it's 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 a toss up between him and Daniel Day. Daniel Day Lewis. Oh. They both, you know, are dynamic on screen. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one (laughs) it is a tough one yeah so
0: are we gonna jump into it right away with man on fire
1: uh yeah we can jump into it uh so so today folks uh we're not gonna go chronological we're actually gonna go man on fire and then training day um and you'll, you'll understand why later uh so man on fire uh we got the first collabor. Well, I don't know. If this is this the first collaboration between Denzel Washington and Tony Scott?
0: Because uh, I think
1: Tony Scott did Virtuosity, but I'm not sure. That's another Denzel really Scott movie. I, I mean, no, uh, well, no, Denzel and 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 I don't mean to cut you off. Denzel and Russell Crowe were in that movie.
0: Yeah, I don't remember if this is the first one or not. Uh, I do know that uh, he tried getting this movie made back in like I want to say early '80s. And yeah. because he was still a new director, he wasn't able to get the rights for the book to make a movie out of it. Because they said it was going to be too advanced of a like, movie to translate from the book. Yeah. Uh, but he eventually did regain it, what, in 2004 is when this one came out?
1: Yep, 2004.
0: Yeah. So, like, two decades passed. I can't remember when in the 80s it was. I remember it was early 80s. I want to say, like, 82, 83.
1: Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I think this is the first collaboration between Tony Scott and Denzel Washington. Um, Before we get into that quick summary, uh, Denzel Washington plays um, a man named John Creasy, a former uh, U.S. Marine Corps um, operative who is now an alcoholic, kind of has given up on life because of all the horrible things he's done, depressed. Now he's a bodyguard for um, a nine year old. Um, Her name is uh, PETA played by the great dakota fanning such a great actor at a young age man oh yeah 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 i didn't Um, realize
0: it was her when i was watching it and i was looking up the uh actor list and i was like hold on a minute that's her
1: (laughs) yeah yeah dakota's been in the game a long time yeah so he's a he's a bodyguard to her and uh she kind of helps him she become he becomes friends with her you know um and he, he he becomes, you know, protective of her in a good way. He he gains mm. a friendship with her. She makes him wanna, you know, she gives him something worth living. You know, she, she makes him wanna live life again. And uh one day she is abducted and, you know, his killer side comes back in and he's as he uh wreaks vengeance on the on the people who took her. So that's a that's a straightforward uh synopsis of the film. Um looking back on this movie after so many years, I love this movie coming up. When I was younger, looking back on it now, it is it, still a good movie. I think the whole Tony Scottness of it—you know, rest in peace. Um, you know, he has the the flashy cinematography, the the quick zoom in, quick zoom out, kind of uh, flashiness yeah, he, of his. He loves doing
0: yeah. jump cuts, and he likes playing with the lighting.
1: He does, and and it, it looks great in this film. You know, the subtitles popping on the screen looks colorful. Um, Forty minutes in, it gets a little tiring. It's like, all right, man, you, you got us hooked into the story. Let's just let's stay focused on the story. Stop stop flashing lights at me. You know, um, I wanna say, dude, um, I like Michael Jackson when, when he's in all hell breaks loose mode. And again, we'll talk about that with training day. But I feel like this is two separate movies. I feel like the first half where he's uh where him and Peter are growing, you know, are growing a relationship as bodyguard and um and young child. Um they have great chemistry. Yeah, it's like, absolutely
0: adorable between. The it two. is,
1: it, it is. It's like man. a very
0: heartwarming, like family kind of movie at the beginning. It almost feels like, uh, what are the movies where you have like the wrestlers that are like babysitters all of a sudden and stuff? It almost feels like that kind of yeah, tone to like, movie. Like a the three
1: men and a baby or something like that. Right. Know I mean? Yeah. And, you know, it, it does feel charming, and I feel like that's the first half is just great in the acting, the writing, and the pacing. When she gets kidnapped and he turns into full-on um, John Wick mode, uh, yeah, you know it, it. It the great action, you know, great performance by Denzel, but I feel like it feels clunky as a whole. It's it, two it, different movies. It, it does feel. It is
0: very jarring. What kind of turn it makes and. You know, there is a little bit of like a comedy aspect to the way that he's like interrogating these people and everything. Right. And you keep going, <laughs> well, I wonder if he's bluffing. And I think it's by like the third time you're like, no, he's not bluffing anymore. They, yes. He's he's going to definitely kill these people.
1: <laughs> right. Like uh, he, he stuck to four for him, the guy's ass. He was like, don't yes. move. Don't you move. Yeah. He's like, he, he said, what's your wish, man? I wish I wish you had more time. Yeah, no, you know what my wish is.
0: I wish you had more time.
1: Right, man. Uh, one of the best lines, man. He he. Uh, he was waiting in the building. He was waiting in this apartment to snipe somebody, and uh, the old man's like, "Hey, God said the way. It, the church says the way is to forgive." He says, uh, "Forgiveness is between them and God. Uh, I'm arranging the meeting." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there, there's some weird comedic tones in it. And then you have moments where he's just sitting in, what was it? The apartment with the RPG, just staring out the window, just waiting. And then he's like, Oh, yep. There's the minivan that I need to take out. Okay. Let me just position the RPG. and, And it's just, even though it's not supposed to be funny, just the scenario itself somewhat becomes funny. And then people keep cre- cracking little wise cracks around him. And he's such like a monotoned kind of, you know, personality that it makes a comedic when he responds to them because he responds fully fire. seriously
1: and then you got Christopher Walker's monologue, like, um, you know, everyone has has a way of art. Creasy's art is murder.
0: He's He's about about to create his masterpiece. (laughs) That was the greatest line in the movie. I don't care what you say. (laughs) He's about to create his masterpiece. It's like, oh, that Christopher Walken, thank you for being in this movie.
1: Yeah, man. I feel like that and Arrange Arrange the Meeting are the two best lines in this movie to me, man. Arrange Um, the
0: meeting is good, but he's about to create his masterpiece is just I want to be able to write a line like that just
1: (laughs) Out of thin air. (laughs) I think this movie, the second half of this movie is a guy's straight-up action flick, man. Like, this is basically Charles Bronson Death Wish Um, is what the second half of this movie is.
0: Yeah, it almost Um, feels like a mix between John Wick and Taken.
1: John Wick and Taken. Hmm. Okay, I give you that. The the second half is like that. Yeah. I feel like the first half Oh yeah, the is, first half um, is a
0: completely different movie. That's three men know, and a baby. The right. Second
1: half is John Wick. <laughs> um Yeah, I mean, um altogether I think it's a very it's it's a very solid movie. I just think like how jarring it is from like, you know, um, you know, family drama to straight up revenge thriller, it it, it can be a bit jarring. I mean Tony Scott keeps the adrenaline throughout the whole thing so i'm not gonna say it doesn't have i'm not gonna say he doesn't keep the same energy throughout even when he's getting to know the young girl he 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 does keep that same little zoom in zoom out flashy light cinematography throughout the whole film which is a headache during
0: some of the action scenes does like it's it's good for like the thriller kind of moments where you're kind of like oh no what's gonna happen next and kind of keeps doing this action but then it does it when he's like walking down the street and you're just like, there's nothing going
1: on here. What are you trying to convey? Then he has it when he's having a conversation with somebody. I'm like, yes. they're just talking. You don't need to zoom in, zoom out crap. Just let them talk.
0: Yeah. You yeah, know? we don't need 15 jump cuts when he's saying, how are you doing today? Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, his, what'd his you think? fetish was Go definitely ahead. like the jump cuts. If we're going to say, you know, we have the uh, lens flare from... Uh what's his name? The dude that did the uh, Star Wars and Star Trek recent movies. JJ Abrams. JJ Abrams. Yeah. You know, it, it his is definitely going to be the jump cuts. It's just constant. It's every single movie he does has those too.
1: Let me ask you something, man. Story-wise, how did you feel about the uh the the late twist where you know you found out that uh, Mark Anthony the father uh, set up the whole kidnapping for more money? Uh, the first time I saw it, I remember it being
0: a shock, like being yeah. one of those, I did not see that coming. Uh, this time, already having known that, kind of watching the clues and everything like that, they do hint at a couple things, uh, especially they, they toward do. the beginning when he's talking with him and he hires him originally. He's like, well, we had to make sure she's safe before the kidnapping insurance kicks in and all this other stuff. And you know, I know she's gonna be a target. And it's like, well, hold on.
1: How <laughs> do you know she's gonna be a target? Right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, then Mickey Rourke just seems shady straight from the beginning. Yeah. I'm like, there's something off about this guy. So the the film does set up clues. Um, I feel like the film handled it well. You know, uh, even with the twist that to find out that she's still alive, you know, they handled that twist pretty well. Yeah. But uh. Yeah, I thought it was a, I thought it was a solid movie. Looking back, like, when I was growing up, I was like, you know, when I was young, this movie's awesome. Nowadays, looking back on it, it's still awesome, but it's not as great as I thought it was. Yeah, it's by no means a
0: bad movie. No, no. But it definitely, some of the cinematography, while good, also makes it bad at certain moments because it's just it o- a constant of that kind of over style. He overdoes it. Like, yeah, y- y-
1: you do that too much in the film. Like in the beginning, it gets me amped up. You know, when they're showing like the first like real kidnapping to let you know what kind of world you're jumping into. But then when you keep it, you keep that same energy throughout the whole film, even even through the lighthearted scenes. It's like, come on, man, like. And I, I was going to make this argument for it. You know, it seems like he's in a rush throughout the second half of the film to get business done. I'll give the film this. You know, he was on his way to dying through the gunshots. You know, the whole the whole film, he's bleeding. That's why mm-hmm. it keeps going getting in the pools and trying to, I don't know, wet his wounds or something like he, he he really is on his way to dying. So this really is like his last mission to save this little girl or to, to wreak vengeance for this little girl right so i'll give the film that yeah yeah
0: but at the same time you know even at the scenes where he's like picking her up from uh the school or the church or whatever and it's still doing those like flash in zoom in zoom out kind of moments it's like calm down there's nothing happening he's picking her up from like school (laughs)
1: Then the lady's reciting the Bible passage, and yeah. you got the, the passage on, on the screen, and you got the zoom in, zoom out on Denzel's face. It's like, dude, this is a tender moment. You don't need to keep doing the zoom in, zoom out. Yeah. Like, chill.
0: <laughs> yeah, he, he it's definitely way overused in this. And then you have the, what is it, the cutaways every time somebody gets shot, so you just see them, like, fly off camera, and then it cuts to something All else. Right. Yeah. So it, yeah, it's um, it's a bit jarring and it gets old pretty quickly, but some scenes it works so well. But for the fact that it's throughout the entire movie, it's just by the time it gets to those scenes, it, it's you're kind of already done with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wanted to say um, Tony Scott, man, you know, this being his first Denzel collaboration, I feel like they, they had a more refined relationship by the time Deja Vu and uh, Unstoppable came out. I didn't like the taking of Pelham One Two Three with John Travolta. I, I really thought that movie was stupid. Um, but the other films they've done together are pretty are are classics.
0: Oh yeah, uh, it, there's you know. definitely plenty of Tony Scott movies that we're gonna have to visit at some point in time.
1: Oh yeah, Top Gun, True Romance. You know his collaboration with Quentin Tarantino, that uh, Crimson Tide. Oh, that's yes. oh no, that's the first Denzel-Tony Scott collaboration. Crimson Tide, not Man on Fire. Is it? Oh, when did that yeah. one come out? That was in 1995. That was Denzel and Gene Hackman.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, I completely it, forgot yeah. that... Uh,
1: yeah, that was definitely a Tony Scott movie. It was. Yeah, I forgot he made Top Gun, and that movie's a classic. I think that's the like,
0: only Tony Scott movie that doesn't like feel Tony Scott throughout the entire movie
1: yeah that's only his second film so i don't think he really gained his visual style by that point
0: yeah he definitely um, was still it, learning the ropes of like directing at that time great movie, still but yeah. it does not feel like the tony scott kind of cutting cut out flash in flash out kind of movie
1: man could you imagine what it would be like if he was still alive and he had made the new top gun that's coming out that would be great
0: I, I have high hopes for you know them at least taking good inspiration from the first one, but we'll see.
1: Yeah, it should be in good hands. I think um you know Tom Cruise go to guy Christopher McQuarrie who's responsible for like the last few Mission Impossible's and uh, Jack Reacher films is is has something to do with it. But hold on, let me make sure though. Uh, does he have something to do with that movie? Yeah, because I remember hearing that it's coming, but I don't know
0: many of the details behind
1: it it. yeah i think he co-wrote it i don't think he's directing it but um yeah man i i got high hopes for that one that should be good but uh overall man looking back on this film today i give this a strong 3.5 out of 5
0: i'd have to agree with that one it's it's above average but it does have a couple things holding it back and it's weird. Yeah, it, the things that are holding it back are also the things that make it kind of special in
1: its own way. It's like in some parts, the things that are holding it back make it great. In some parts, it kind of kind of limits it a little bit.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this one, it, I highly recommend checking it out if you haven't checked it out before. But at the same time, it's not the best of Tony Scott's work and it's not the best of Denzel Washington's work.
1: You know, I hope they checked it out before they listen to this, because you know we, we there's spoilers here.
0: Oh, that's true. Yeah, we just. When we talk about films, movie.
1: folks, we we assume you've watched them. <laughs> so you know, if you don't want to hear the spoilers, skip over the skip over the film segment.
0: But that brings us to the second movie, and one we definitely have a lot more to say about
1: uh, Training Day. Oh yes, yes, this it uh, this movie, man. Oh, this movie. Man, um, this is one of those films that were like was like great when you were young, and still is great today.
0: Oh yeah, uh, it's one of those movies that even when you know exactly how it ends, it's still a great adventure the entire way through.
1: It's, it's a great twenty-four hours, man. This is uh, the legendary collaboration of Antoine Fuqua, director David Ayer. We're talking pre Suicide Squad, David Ayer, folks. Yep, uh, as the writer. And Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawk as the leads. Um this movie fires on all cylinders, man. You 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 got Ethan Hawk as this um this uh rookie. LAPD uh r- rookie yeah. um wanted to make but to make the detective who um who uh, follows um Alonzo uh what was his whole name? Uh Alonzo Harris, um, detective Alonzo Harris who uh basically takes him for a ride along and it's uh possibly the craziest 24 hours of his life as alonzo harris uh is is a man who um thinks he's above the law and um kind of breaks the law in so many ways while trying to uh while you know in, in his profession pretty much he's a bad cop it's pretty much what i'm saying i was trying to oh, say it in an intelligent yeah. way uh but i kind of played myself he's a bad cop folks it's pretty yeah. much um I
0: just love that because you see everything happen through uh, the eyes of the what was his name in the movie? The rookie,
1: uh, Officer Hoyt. Uh, Officer his name Hoyt was uh, uh, Jake Hoyt.
0: Yeah, Jake. Jake. Hoyt. Jake! That was it. And you see it all through his perspective. So it starts with his day of waking up and going, well, I got this interview and I can't wait. You know, I wish it was just tomorrow so I would know how this all went down or how this is all going to go down.
1: It literally starts with the sun going up like the eye of Hades. Yeah. Over L.A. before this movie starts. And you, you get the dark tone before we even set into the world that he's jumping into. Yeah. and it.
0: Basically, it starts, where was it? The diner where yeah. you have Denzel Washington's character is introduced there and they're just sitting at the diner and, you know, Denzel Washington's character is just uh, completely ignoring him, you know, right. uh, reading a paper. And he's like, well, if you're going to interrupt me, you tell me, tell a, me story. a story.
1: <laughs> then it ends with, uh, hey, you got a dick, don't you? He's like, yeah. All right. In- uh, on either side I dick you got pockets pay the bill yeah you can take some money
0: (laughs) out of those pockets and pay the bill
1: (laughs) Right.
0: yeah there's so many great one-liners in the entire movie
1: boom yeah (laughs) (laughs) i love this movie
0: oh there's so many great moments but yeah just going through it like scene by scene i don't think there's a single scene where you're not like drawn into these characters or what's going on around them There's always something going on. And I remember uh, one of the scenes that I remembered most when I was going back to do the rewatch was the one with Snoop Dogg. And so watching the movie again. (laughs) Yeah, he's the one in the wheelchair. (laughs) And there's a couple other good cameos in this one as well. Uh, that was the one that, like, when you first mentioned we're going to watch it again, I was like, oh, yeah, Snoop Dogg's in this one. <laughs> I remember that scene. It's a crazy one. Right. But, you know, he goes through just uh, seeing how crooked uh, Alonzo was his name, right?
1: Uh, Alonzo Harris, yeah. Yeah.
0: Alonzo is with uh, going through different phases. You know, because you always have, like, this uneasiness about him as the movie's progressing, and then you keep going into more and more uneasiness as you're like, okay, this guy's definitely crooked, but maybe he isn't, because you kind of st- start seeing, like, oh, he's doing good for people as well. And Ooh, then you start seeing, oh, no, he's he's still only doing good for himself. He He's... That's the...
1: Go yeah, on. Uh, no, no, go ahead. I was going to say, that's the charismatic, uh, seductive performance of Denzel, man. Yeah, there's a reason this is one of his best roles, man. Um, you know, I remember uh, I remember when I first saw this film, uh, I was young and I was blown away because I was used to Denzel the hero. And I was and I said, oh, wow, he's a villain in this movie. But you can't look away because of how great of an antihero he is. Oh, yeah. You know, and I remember my grandmother who loves Denzel, but she loves Denzel when he's the hero, which is every other movie. Um, I had called her saying, Hey grandma, you saw training day. Did you like it? She was like, ah, oh, that movie was horrible. I don't know why they casted Denzel as the villain. And like, it reminded me of this interview I heard about where Denzel was on Oprah or something. And, uh, right after training day, he, uh, signed on to do John Q. You remember that movie? No, I don't
0: That's think where I saw his- that one.
1: Okay, that's a film where he holds a hospital room hostage because he wants to save the life of his son who needs a heart transplant before he dies. It's it's a good guy role. He's okay. basically playing another good guy. He says, yeah, I um when I signed on to do Training Day, I immediately signed on to do John Q after because I, it was almost going to be like a pre-apology. Like, hey guys, I'm Denzel the good guy again. I'm not a villain no more. And I, I got that from a business standpoint but when you have good, when you have actors who typically play good guy roles stepping into the villain once in a while, nine times out of ten they knock it out the park. Like I almost think, with this episode, we should have did Training Day versus Collateral, because Collateral, you know, you remember Collateral? I remember with Tom Collateral. Cruise and that Fox?
0: that would have been a good one,
1: right? Because you got Jamie Foxx in the Ethan Hawke role where he plays the everyday guy, thrown into a crazy situation where Tom Cruise, who usually plays the good guy, is this murderous sociopath and plays the role well. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like comparing Denzel in this film to Tom Cruise and collateral, that probably would have been the better episode idea because it's the same thing where it's like, you got these great actors who usually play good guys playing a bad guy probably once or twice in their career and nailing it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. It, it makes me want to see Denzel in a bad guy role again. Cause he, Blast it out I of the like, park with
1: this one. I feel like after this film <laughs> we got American Gangster and that was I like American Gangster. I liked it. Um it, it's not the same as this. It's one, not though. it's not. Um yeah, it's not the same. Cause even though he's playing the gangster, it's still like this, Alonzo Harris, I feel like that's a once in a lifetime role though. I don't yeah. know if he can ever like kind of hit that same pitch of, you know, um evil and charismatic uh again. Yeah, because the entire time, he's playing
0: Jake like a fiddle. Like, everything is planned out that he's doing. It
1: know? is. Like, when they, um, when they shoot Scott Glenn in that, in that one takedown scene, and, uh you know, Ethan pulls the gun on him. He says, oh, what's going to happen when you shoot me? And the cops find you've got PCP in your system. Yeah. You've been playing this all day. I've been playing this all week, son. I was like, whoa.
0: Yeah, everything is-, is just downbeat. and. When you're watching it, like, again, you're just going, oh, yep, that's why this happens. That's why he starts giving him alcohol at this scene. That's why he starts doing this. That's why this. And you, it's just ever, so planned out and, like, perfect.
1: You ever rewatch a figurative train wreck and you'd be like, okay, this is the moment where everything went off the rails? You see that in the moment where um, him and him and Ethan Hawke are driving in the car and he's like, hey, man, if you're going to be a detective, you got to be willing to you got to be willing to do anything and any time in order to, uh, you know, um, you know, get catch the bad guys. And Ethan Hawke looks at him and says, I will do everything you want me to do, anything you want me to do. And Denzel gives him that look and says, OK. Yeah, <laughs> he says, I would do anything you want me to do. I'm like, OK, that's the moment the train went off the rails. Also, that's him constantly where...
0: using the line, you know, do you want to go home to your wife and kids or do you want to go to jail?
1: You want to go home, you want to go to jail. You a sheep or a wolf.
0: Yeah, and it's a constant, like, going. That line comes up so many times throughout the movie. And every time, it's just amazing. It's the perfect line to kind of exemplify what kind of situation everybody's in.
1: Like, I love the scene where it's him and um, Ethan Hawke in the car after they just, um, Denzel just shot the guy who he thought it was, who Ethan Hawke thought was his friend. And he's like, why is he my friend? Because he knows my first name? Yeah. This is chess, it ain't checkers. I was like, dude, this guy is beyond charismatic, man. He's 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 literally the devil in this movie. Like Um
0: Not only I that, take but he's a- playing everything. You know, every person that's in this movie is being played in some way. It's not just uh Ethan Hawke's character, Jake.
1: Yeah. Uh I also wanted to say, um, just a quick shout out to, because um, I love both of these actors. Ethan Hawk, man, um, if he's not just as great, he's one inch below Denzel in this film. Because to play the everyday guy who's literally thrown into the craziest 24 hours of his life, like Ethan Hawk plays that role well. Like they couldn't have got a lot of guys to play that role. Ethan Hawk plays um, a flabbergasted, gobsmacked uh, new rookie detective well. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, I can't think of anybody else that would have been able to bounce off of Denzel Washington as well as he did in this movie. Because yeah. it's you have him as like the everyman, but you also have him as an experienced cop at the same time. So he's able to kind of pick up on cues, but at the same time, he wants this job so bad, he's willing to call and kind of fall into line until he reaches breaking points at certain times. And then he just kind of falls back the line because he really wants, you know, the carrot that's being dangled in front of him.
1: And he looks at um, um and the certain looks he gives Denzel when he crosses the line, like just those certain facial expressions, like Ethan Hawk, man. He's Oh yeah. He's the he's the man. Denzel and Ethan, they're they're, they're the man in this film. They you, you have both dynamic actors here. And I know um Denzel won the Oscar for this. I think that was I think that was an apology, Oscar for, for Malcolm X. But um, uh, Ethan was also nominated for Best Supporting in this film. Yeah, he didn't win, though, did he? He didn't win. He was nominated.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I didn't think that he won for this one, because I don't think that this won any awards, did it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Best Actor, Denzel.
0: Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely deserves it for this one, 100%. Because I'm trying to think. This came out 2001, correct?
1: Yeah. I feel like that was like, that was the makeup. I feel like the Oscar he got for this movie was the makeup Oscar he should have got for Malcolm X. Just like Scorsese getting Best Director for Departed was the makeup Oscar for him not getting it for Goodfellas.
0: Oh, yeah. Or yeah. Uh, what was the, uh, trying to think, uh, Black Klansmen for Do the Right Thing?
1: Yeah, yeah. That was the make-up Oscar for, for Do the Right Thing, Black Klansman. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, Klansman was okay. You know, it wasn't a bad Spike Lee movie, but, you know, Do the Right Thing was monumental.
0: Yeah. Yeah, between those two movies, they're very hard to compare to each other. Do the Right Thing is just leagues above Black Klansman.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. I would definitely agree. Um, But Training Day, man... Um. This whole movie is just great. Like I I really can't think of a bad scene. Um, the Snoop Dogg scene kind of swayed my attention like kind of my attention kind of drifted a little bit, but um but I I I, I was still kind of in it. Oh, see, that's one of the most memorable scenes.
0: Like that's one from when I saw it before that uh, when we were going to watch it again I was like oh yeah and then there's that Snoop Dogg scene where Snoop Dogg is running away in a wheelchair and you know he uh, tries to eat the drugs and then he just shoves a pen in the back of his throat to make him vomit them up and then he's playing with the bullets of like there's 10 years there's 20 you want to make it 30 (laughs) there's 30 want to make it 40 you want to go home today you want to go home to your wife and kids or you want to go to jail you know and it's just that line just continually comes up throughout the movie with uh, hey. Alonzo. He says it to Jake. He says it to basically every single, you know, perpetrator that they catch and everything. Right. Like the you two rapists, same
1: thing. Yeah. Um, he uh, I-, I wanted to talk about um, this. We got to talk about the monumental monologue that makes this 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 film so great. Hey, you you think you can do this to me? Oh, yeah. I'm the man up in this piece. You'll never see a lot of that. Who the fuck you think you fucking with? I'm the police. I run shit here. You just live here.
0: I'm King Kong.
1: No, no. He said, King Kong ain't got shit That's on right. me. 23-hour lockdown. I was like, this scene, like, man. I wanted to know what it was like to be on set when Denzel gave that monologue and be like, yo, he really is acting a fool in this film. We've Not only never that, seen-
0: but he's giving yeah. that monologue with Terry Crews right behind him. Like right. peak fitness, Terry Crews just standing there right behind him. <laughs> and he's right. giving this like whiny little monologue. And it's just so perfect. Like the scene is just captured perfectly perfectly.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, what you gonna do? You gonna hit a cop? Like he was feared in that place. Like they feared him. um, Yeah. And rightfully so. You know, he was a crooked cop. Um. But yeah, man. I remember being in the theaters when he gave that speech. I was just cracking up. Me and my mom were laughing because he really was like, he 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 was acting a fool in this film, and it was great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, that the other great line from Denzel came like right before that of you shot me in the ass. Shot me in the ass. <laughs> hey,
1: oh. if you rewatch that scene, you can you can see two guys in the background cr- trying not to laugh when Denzel delivers that line. They're in they're in the upper left corner. He's like, "You shot me in the ass." Oh, I'm going to go ahead to
0: go back and rewatch it for that cuz yeah, I didn't notice that.
1: Actually, it's right before that. It's when he first grabs his ass and says, "Ah, you motherfucker!" And you oh, see yeah. two guys in the top, just la- top left, just laughing, <laughs> and then the film immediately cuts.
0: <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Yeah, I I love little like tidbits like that in movies as well, of just the like background people like trying to act normal yeah. and everything. Like in bad movies. That's one of my favorite things to do is just watch people in the background that are walking around or doing stuff like here's lady with a newspaper reading the same page for 32 minutes. (laughs) You know, here's, you know, person walking their dog back and forth for some reason because they keep coming into view.
1: (laughs) There's this bad movie called The Pest with John Leguizamo. Um, It's so bad. It's funny. There's literally, there's literally a scene where John Leguizamo was, was talking to somebody, and this kid comes up in the right hand corner, bottom right hand corner of the screen, and throws up like some, 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 some signs to the camera, like, yeah, what's up, man? Oh, yeah. Like, why the camera's still filming? And like that was in the final edit. I was like, oh my goodness.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to remember what movie it is, but it's, like, one of the biggest, like, movie blunders that wasn't caught before it, like, went to theaters and everything, is there's a scene with, like, a shootout in a restaurant or something, and before the shootout even happens, there's a kid, like, covering his ears because he doesn't want to, like, hear the loud gunshots. <laughs> what movie? Uh, Who's in it? I'm trying to remember what the movie is, because I remember it just being, like, one of those top movie blunders. Oh, Hold man. on. Google has to Let's see. Let's see if I can find the movie. It's got
1: to be. What, what, why? 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 You're looking for that? Let me say this, man. Um, I know David Ayer gets a lot of flack for Suicide Squad and Bright. But this is a near-perfect script, man. Like, the way everything ties together throughout this film. Like, you, you got the one woman that uh, Jake Hoyt saves from getting raped. And how that all ties back towards the end when he uh, almost gets shot uh, by by the Mexicans. Oh,
0: yeah. that yeah, That's this, a this great is... kind of scene, how that plays out as well.
1: Yeah, this is a near-perfect script, man. Um, David A.R. is a talented writer. You know, some films are touch and go, but I feel like he is a talented, uh, storyteller. And this is like, uh, of course, the first collaboration between Antoine Fuqua and Denzel, who, you know, collaborated again on the Equalizer 1 and 2, Magnificent 7 remake. Denzel always stays with a, with a key group of directors for most of his films, I noticed that
0: oh the movie is north by northwest it's a spy thriller movie
1: the hitchcock film
0: uh yes yeah the hitchcock movie oh wow yeah there's a kid holding his ears before one of the gunshots in the restaurant scene because he doesn't want to hear the loud bang and everything (laughs) but it's visible before the gunshots start going off I remembered it was a big movie. I just couldn't remember which one. (laughs) Cool. But yeah, going back to the one scene, like with him, uh, because the scene started so like somber with, you know, him following Alonzo to the Mexicans house. And then, you know, Alonzo kind of goes off screen for a little bit and they're like, Hey, sit down, play a game of cards, you know? let me see your gun no no i've seen that one now i want to see yours and he like expertly like takes the clip out takes the one uh bullet out of the chamber and just hands him the gun and everything and it's just done so perfectly like that handoff was beautiful i want to know how many takes it took before they
1: got that in one shot Mm, i don't know that would be interesting to find out though because
0: that that was a great kind of scene because you can kind of feel the tension as uh, he hands him the gun and all of a sudden you're like, okay, something's up. Something's going to go wrong now. And then you find out lonzo has gone and then they're going to kill him and then it just keeps going from there. And as soon as the wallet shows up, you're like, oh, th- this is the callback. That's why he picked up the wallet. This is the Chekhov's gun of this movie. Yeah. You know
1: yeah um yeah I, w- I was saying uh while you were looking up that movie about david ayer like um i know he gets a lot of flack for suicide squad and bright but you know he's a, um i feel like he's a talented filmmaker is that me or you are a little bit of a click in with with audio oh i didn't hear that at all that music Hold on, let me click out of something because I think something's playing. All right, never mind. Yeah, but I think David Ayer—he's a—he—he he is a talented storyteller, and this film kind of shows it.
0: He um, is, but you know, Suicide Squad is not a good representation of his skills
1: at all. No, it's not. This is—I uh, feel like this and films surrounding uh, L.A. gangs, which was kind of like his main focus with 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 his first few films. Um, th- those are representative of his storytelling skills. Yeah, it's definitely a better representation of what he's
0: able to tell cuz one of the biggest things that people complain about Suicide Squad is it kind of constantly lines up stuff that never gets, you know, brought back up again. And this movie is a good show that he's able to do that. He's able to create a constant story yeah. flow that is referential of the past parts of the movie that it kind of brings up like the wallet him picking it up is they're leaving the crime scene and then it coming back into play later. Uh, the whole him doing the drugs at the beginning comes into play a couple of points. Uh, every line that Denzel says, you know, it doesn't matter what, uh, what is it? You, you, you gotta have proof. It doesn't matter what you can say, it matters what you can prove.
1: Right. And um oh, 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 one of the best lines. I'm surgical with this bitch, Jake. When he's trying to oh, shoot yeah. him with the shotgun. <laughs> Where do you want it? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I love Denzel in this movie, man. You could tell I don't know I don't know if he was having fun, but it looked like he was having a little bit of fun.
0: Yeah, it well. He constantly ups the ante in his own acting in this movie. Like right. most people kind of tone down throughout like a movie. This one is just completely amping up the entire way through. You know, yeah. as like everything gets more tense, he keeps amp- upping the ante on his kind of, you know, what is it? I would say acting, but there's
1: got to be another word for it. Performance? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, he ups the ante on his performance, on his um, on his nuances that he gives Alonzo throughout the film. He, he 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 tears back a lot of layers to his character as as it proceeds.
0: Oh, for sure, and you kind of continually see it throughout the entire movie. Like when he introduces to the uh, other detectives, and then to his own personal little gang of detectives, and it just kind of completely unfolds what kind of character he is. And then at the very end, you see the true person that he is with that monologue that we were talking about before. Yeah. It's just too good of a performance. It it deserves yeah. so much.
1: <laughs> like it, it, it is a very good performance. I feel like this is the equivalent of um, JK Simmons and whiplash. Yes, I will hundred percent agree with that.
0: Yeah, that I would, I'd even put this one above that.
1: Yeah, 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 sure. Uh, hold on, I don't know, man. Whiplash is a perfect three act film. I mean, I mean, I, what's my man's name who made that? Damien Chazelle. He really put his whole foot into making that film. I don't know if I could put Training Day as a story over Whiplash. But performance-wise, I'll put Denzel's Alonzo over um, J.K. Simmons. I think his name was Fletcher. I'm not sure. That sounds right.
0: But, yeah, I definitely would put Denzel's performance over J.K. Simmons in that one. That movie is another really good one. But, yeah, I it's it's a good comparison. But I would still yeah. say, like, Denzel is just slightly above J.K. Simmons on that one.
1: Yeah, 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 no, no, of course, of course, of course. I was more so comparing like um, the
0: overall story and flow.
1: Well, not story, but like um, these 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 actors uh, who are character actors that are playing these very like malicious roles and nailing them and, and re- revealing back layers of these roles that they are playing as the film proceeds, as as the film goes on. Yeah,
0: yeah. There's definitely a lot to love about both of the movies. But yeah, Training Day definitely sticks out as one of Denzel's best.
1: All right, man. I give this a strong 4.5. I I'd say that this is a 5/5 5. 5 for me. It's a perfect
0: movie.
1: I give it a like 5. I don't know if I give it a straight up 5 because it's it's it does have a little bit of implaus implausibility to it. Um
0: but just, you're always going to have whole, that with movies. A five five isn't one hundred percent perfect, but it's it deserves you know that high score. It is one of the very few movies that deserves that five out of five.
1: I can't give it perfect, man. I, I give it I give it near perfect.
0: Yeah, it's like a ninety five out of one hundred, but on the scale of you know f- fives, it's it's definitely a five.
1: I uh, agree. Disagree. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason this is called Anthony vs. Brad, but it's a good it's, it's a very great movie. It's a great movie.
0: Oh for sure. But yeah, have you seen uh, anything else or just these two this last week?
1: Actually, um I got into uh the first season of the show Happy. That's uh basically That's the one with comedy. Patton Oswald? Yeah, yeah. Yep. He he put he voices uh Happy. Uh, yeah, the, he's, he's, he's What is it, the
0: horse unicorn?
1: He's a unicorn that helps a detective find – well, he helps an ex-detective played by Christopher Maloney. Great performance. Uh, Find a missing girl. Kind of on some man on fire type of shit, but way more fun. Uh, uh, I liked it, man. Um, It's based off the comic written by Grant Morrison. Uh, I really – I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I remember seeing a preview of the first episode of that one. Uh, I haven't seen anything past that episode, though. Yeah, I did want to check it out and everything like that, but I saw that preview of the episode probably about three or four months before it premiered. So by the time it premiered, I kind of already forgot it existed.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because it was a
0: sci-fi show.
1: Sci-fi doesn't have the best. I got you. They don't have the best track record with shows, uh, but this one is a knockout.
0: I'm going to have to go back and check out the rest of it.
1: Yeah, man, it's like USA. I don't really watch their shows, but I know Mr. Robot blew me away. Like, I I love Mr. Robot.
0: Oh, yeah. Mr. Robot is such a good one. Yeah. It from, is. like, even an IT perspective, it's one of the few shows that's, like, IT accurate for every technology that they're using within the show and, like, the different scenarios that could be imposed and everything like that. It's all 100% accurate.
1: yeah. Uh, I also wanted to tell you after I watched uh, the first season of Happy, um, I got into the first season of The Boys. And, uh, Finally, you
0: know, what do you think about how or how far are you into the first season?
1: I'm on episode three.
0: Okay, I'm trying to remember uh, what was the major thing so that tran- happened in
1: three. Uh, uh, so we're in the episode after Translucent uh, dies, or after the the main character kills Translucent. Okay. Uh, translucent was the guy that went invisible. Yep. Yeah. So uh, episode three, um, I like just so far, man. You know, um, I like the fierce satire it has of uh, superheroes. You know, not being the uh, well-to-do, high moralistic uh, beings that we know them for, with the Supermans and the. Well, they Iron think Mans. they are.
0: That's the thing is they still think they are like that, like perfect embodiment of superheroes
1: yeah but they just do
0: not care about anybody else in the process
1: no they don't um and uh yeah i like that satirical aspect of it um i I, um i like how i balance i I like how it juggles its tones from uh comedic to serious to disturbing to uh, dramatic i uh i like the way that the show handles itself um Again, I'm only three episodes in, so you know time will tell if I really like the whole season. But so far, I like everything that's going on. Um, I really am not liking the superheroes at all, but I think that's the point.
0: Yeah, they're you're not yeah. supposed to like them. You're supposed to have the same feelings of them as like a villain.
1: Right, right. Right. The, I get it. The heroes are the villains. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm enjoying it, man. Yeah, I've been catching up
0: on a different uh, superhero show, Doom Patrol, starting up yeah. the second season of that.
1: Brandon Fraser's in that, isn't
0: he? Yeah, he voices uh, one of the characters. Okay, how how is Doom Patrol? Uh, it's it's good. Uh, it definitely has some nice little plots and everything like that that go on in story. The characters are actually really good, but sometimes the show just gets boring with its dialogue, as it tries to like over-explain things. Because it is a comic book movie that deals with a lot of like supernatural stuff, so it sometimes feels that it needs to over-explain why things are happening this way, or else you won't understand what's going on, and it just gets dull at times.
1: I got you. I completely understand what you're saying. but it's definitely
0: uh, one it, check out a couple episodes of it if you like you know the first four episodes of it you'll probably
1: be able to stick through the rest of it okay hey I wanted to tell you man I um, I, I, told you I've been doing my, my Christopher Nolan pre-gaming um, I just rewatched uh, Inception and uh, most of uh, Interstellar recently um, as usual Inception is just a great well-crafted thriller like all around it's just just a great film uh but interstellar though man when I first saw that film, I was a little disillusioned I was like, you know what I know what I'm watching is great, but it feels like it, it feels like it may be a little too high art for me mm-hmm. when I watched it again in a more focused space a few days ago that's just that's that's a great movie man like interstellar is a beautiful great movie
0: I remember it being a good movie but I remember kind of thinking, it, it it definitely feels like a Chris Nolan movie, but it doesn't feel like the high caliber that most of his movies are at.
1: You know, I felt like that when I first saw it, but when you watch the film again in a more—I don't know—I don't know how focused you are when you saw it. When I say focused, I mean like my whole attention is on this movie now because I yeah. was on a date when I first saw Interstellar, um, and it's like the movie paces itself well from like you know matthew mcconaughey living in this alternate um time and i didn't catch this when i first saw the movie they're living in a time where they where they don't even teach that we went on the moon in classrooms they tell people they don't even tell the kids about that um you know of course uh everything is farming now electric uh, elect- um electronics and stuff aren't really that important in the, in this art- alternate universe um when you you see the transition from Matthew McConaughey on Earth, you know, this farmer who was an engineer learning about this mission to space, transitioning to actually going to space and then coming back to Earth with with his daughter as an adult, Jessica Chastain, like, the pacing of the movie is great. And the scenes in space, like, you can tell Nolan was really borrowing from Stanley, Stanley Kubrick's 2001 Space Odyssey in the best way possible. Like, that really is a well-done movie. I I was a little harsh on it when I first saw it. I was like, eh, it ain't one of the best Nolan films, but it was okay. But looking back on it now, it's a well-done movie. I might
0: have to rewatch that one because it's – because I saw it in theaters and I haven't seen it since then. But I was focused on it when I was seeing it in theaters. It was just kind of going by as, like, a a good movie but pretty low on Christopher Nolan's kind of – no repertoire
1: i feel like his films deserve a rewatch. i remember when i first saw dunkirk i admired the way it looked i admired the way he made it but i was like all right that was solid oh see i
0: love that one when i saw it the first time like i fell in love instantly with that one
1: I, i i didn't i knew i was gonna buy it and i did uh, when Black Friday came around but um, I feel like if I rewatch that movie I'll, I'll gain a new respect for it because when I first saw it I'm like this looks great um, I'm, I, I kind of don't I kind of feel detached from these soldiers though I feel like I gotta rewatch it
0: though okay, yeah because it was one of those movies I also bought it day one but I immediately went I'm never gonna watch this at home because it does not deserve whatever setup I have at home to view it on this needs to be like another Dolby Cinema re, you know, view kind of movie.
1: Yeah, I was gonna watch it on the outside projector one of these days, um, because I think sooner or later um, the itch is gonna get it to me, and I, I might have to travel all the way out to the, to Ohio to see a uh, tenant at the drive-in, because you know there's no drive-ins. We talk about this every episode. Yeah. Uh, there's I really nothing here. See this movie. Yeah, I I, I really want to see this movie um i just want to see it man you know uh i I know it might not be ideal i'm not going to go into an imax theater but that's okay i just want to say i saw it
0: right Yeah, especially since there's such mixed reviews out there for it as well. And it's kind of like... It makes you curious. Yeah, it makes me want to see it more because you get the people are like, this movie is like Christopher Nolan's worst. And then you have the people going, it's a pretty good Christopher Nolan movie. And then you have people going, this might be the smartest Christopher Nolan movie there is. And it's like, hold on. That's like across the board, all over the place for reviews. Uh, I I want to see this movie.
1: I've heard two types of reviews. This is like Inception on crack. And this is like inceptional crack, meaning yeah. I don't understand what's going on. You know, I've heard two types of reviews.
0: Yeah, same kind of review. The one movie that uh, it technically hasn't been announced yet, but apparently they did some uh, pre screening, or not a pre screening, they did a test screening for it, was Borat 2.
1: Yeah, yeah, he, he filmed that on the low. I think that's best. Uh, but I, But I'm wondering, how is he going to fool people? Borat is a very well-known character.
0: Well, based on... Leaks from people that saw the test screenings. Apparently, it goes around Borat uh, thinking that he's super famous in America after his first movie. So he goes undercover in order to try and figure out what people uh, think of him. So people have described it as Sasha Baron Cohen going playing Borat playing Sasha Baron Cohen.
1: <laughs> That's funny.
0: So right. I I'm. I'm excited to see what comes of that one, if it actually sees a release or not, and how it sees a release. Because knowing Sasha Baron Cohen, he could do like a, oh, by the way, it's uh, up on video on demand. Uh, let me see the time right now, and that's how it would release.
1: <laughs> yeah, so- sounds about Sasha. Sounds about Sasha.
0: Because what was the other one? Uh, this is America, or. Uh, uh, who
1: is America who is
0: America that one I still need yeah yeah because that got announced like two weeks before it that first episode aired I still need to watch that one I heard that was good it, that one is really good it's a very short one too I think it's only like five or six episodes
1: cool um but yeah, I think that wraps it see. up for today Have you seen anything, or no, not really? Just Doom Patrol and then these ones.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's about it for me this week.
1: All right. Uh, Well, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, Thank you for listening to our Denzel podcast. may do a part two later on down the road. Uh, Have a good one.